morning to you all. Uh, hope you're doing all right. Hope uh, you're enjoying this beautiful weather. I know I am. And uh, got the Hawaiian shirt on because summer is so close and uh, the sun feels so warm and it's nice to be able to get out and do stuff um, instead of being cooped up, uh, you know, for the last year. Uh, it's good to breathe. It's good to get outside, even though the pollen is not fun. Uh, my white truck is yellow right now, uh, but you know that'll pass, and it'll rain a few times, and we'll be okay. Uh, we are we are uh, in the middle of, or we're this deep anyway, in uh, this this series on engaging Jesus, and uh, there's just so many engagements that Jesus has with different people that that. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll run this for a few more weeks and then we'll move on to uh, another topic. But, but this is really important for us uh, for a couple of reasons. And the first one is this, that, that we all need a personal engagement with Jesus. And I hope like that's happening in all of our lives. You know, wherever you are, wherever you live, uh, whatever you do, that Jesus is the most important person in your life. And that everything that that we do is with him in mind and his will in mind and his ways in mind and his truth in mind. The decisions that we make in life and uh, how we approach life and how we respond to people and what we do with our money and our time and our energy and everything about us, it just is wrapped up in our engagement with who Jesus is and, and what he means to us, that eternal life is in Jesus. And the second thing, is that Jesus wants to use me and you to engage the world. And, and that has to be happening. It has to be happening. And it's not a matter of just what we believe. It's really a more a matter of what we do and how we live and what we give our time to. Um, and, and so we want to make sure that as we live each day, Jesus is able to use us as he wants for his purpose and his will. And then we'll figure out exactly where Jesus wants us in this world, what he wants us to be doing so that we can be busy uh, reaching the world for Christ, or at least pointing people toward Jesus so that they, they know that Jesus loves them too, and they have an opportunity to engage with Jesus as well. Well, Jesus, um, he engaged with lots of different people, and today... Uh, Jesus engages with a very high, prominent religious leader of the day. Uh, it's in John chapter 3, and uh, the person that Jesus engages with, his name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus. John chapter 3, Nicodemus. And Jesus is going to uh, engage with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is going to come to Jesus. And uh, there's some things that are going to transpire during this engagement that I want to point out, okay? Uh, the topic that comes up in this engagement that Jesus has with Nicodemus is the idea about being born again. Being born again. And uh, the engagement happens because Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, in the cover of the night. And we'll get into that in a minute. And the, 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 the next thing is the big topic that is going to come up in this engagement about being born again at night when he comes to him is the idea of the kingdom of God. How does a person 
enter the kingdom of God, which is huge. This is a huge engagement that Jesus has for, with Nicodemus for you and for me and for everyone that we know. This, this speaks to every person on the planet and how we come into a relationship or into this engagement with the kingdom of God and the God of all creation. And so this is a really important topic and a really important engagement. And so let's dig right in. John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's big. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. This is cute. This is cool. In this engagement, Nicodemus, like we've seen other engagements where Jesus went to a town and he approached a person, Zacchaeus, or, or the blind man, or the, the lepers, and they kind of came out of nowhere, and he had different engagements with different people. But in this engagement, Jesus is wherever he is, hanging out with the disciples, and this man comes and finds Jesus at night. And so it's, it's, an, it's an engagement of a person seeking out him. And Nicodemus, he, he's a man, He's a Pharisee. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a member, it says, of the Jewish ruling council. What that is, is the Jewish rulers. He's part of the Sanhedrin, this, this group of elders that are over the Jewish nation, make decisions, they hear cases, they're part of this, uh, this council over the Jewish nation. And, and Nicodemus is not just in this Jewish council, but he's high up in the Jewish council. Well, he approaches Jesus at night in secret. And, and we're not absolutely sure. It doesn't really say why exactly Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. But we could speculate a few things. It might be uh, just to, be, uh, to avoid being seen by the other religious leaders. Maybe he's thinking, you know, I've, I've heard some things about this. Maybe, maybe what Nicodemus uh, remembers is when John the Baptist was on the scene and not long ago saying that one is going to come who is greater than he. And, and John was talking about a, a second person. And so maybe Nicodemus is thinking uh, maybe this is the guy G, uh, uh, John was talking about. Maybe that's why Nicodemus comes to him. Maybe Nicodemus heard that Jesus in Galilee not long ago turned water into wine at this huge wedding. And so he heard that and he thought, wow, there's something different, something unique about this man. Uh, I, I want to go talk to him. Maybe it's because just before Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the Gospels, in the harmony of the Gospels, in the, the order of events, Jesus just overturned the tables. He just went into the temple and he cleansed the temple and he, he chased people out and he said, how dare you make my father's house into a marketplace where you're, you're ripping off the Jews. Like they're selling birds and they're selling cattle. They're selling these things that the Jewish people, the poor Jewish people need to have to offer to God, to, as an offering to God, because that was the custom. And so these people are ripping off their own people, selling them a dove because 
They need a dove to make an offering to God. And, and so they're taking advantage of their own people. And Jesus is not thrilled with that. That'd be like in our churches, like we start charging admission for where we sit, like the, the, the pews. You know, you sit in a pew and it costs you so much money. In our case, most cases, the front row seats would be the cheaper seats. The back row seats, you know, they'd be the more expensive. $100 if you want to sit on the back row, $15 if you want to sit on the front. You know, if we turn this into some kind of, like, you want to worship God? Okay, great, we've got a place you can come. We'll worship God. We'll pro provide the worship, but you got to pay to come and do that. See, that would be wrong. Tithing's different. Tithing is a voluntary giving of our money back to God so the kingdom can grow. But, but if we charged people to come in here and, and sit and worship, that would be that would be wrong. That would be taking advantage of people. And so there's a lot of reasons why uh, Nicodemus may have come to Jesus. Maybe it's just out of curiosity. Like he's heard about this guy. He's seen some things now. And now, in fact, he says, you know, nobody, nobody could perform the signs and the wonders or miracles that you're doing if God weren't with him. So, he, so there's been things going on. And Nicodemus has kind of caught wind of this, and so he comes to Jesus. I think it's largely because God is drawing Nicodemus to Jesus. Like, there are some of the religious people who have gotten cold-hearted, and they're going to stay that way all the way until they crucify Jesus. They are not going to accept Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God. They are going to condemn Jesus from the very get-go. But there are others who maybe have a heart that is being drawn to Jesus and they're a little more open to this possibility that Jesus may be more than the other guys think. And so he's being drawn to Jesus. And there's a little bit of proof for this. In fact, we see, we see the heart of Nicodemus in really in two other passages along with this one where we can see that something is going on in Nicodemus' heart. Check this out. In John chapter 7, a little while later, during Jesus' ministry, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, he's going to be known now in these two passages as the guy who went to Jesus at night. Like That's his new label. Like, oh, Nicodemus, oh, the guy who went to Jesus at night. You know, that guy. So, you know, there's some things you might want to be known for. Like, oh, yeah, he's the guy who won the World Series. Oh, he's awesome. Or he's the guy that dropped the ball and uh, they lost the World Series. So there's things that we want to be known for and other things we really don't want to be known for. Um, and, 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 and leave it up to our close friends to remind us of the things we don't want to be reminded of, right? Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus early and who was one uh, of their own, um, he was one of their own number, asked, does our law, so, so this is a Jewish leaders are all together and they're talking about Jesus and they're stirred up about Jesus and what he's doing. And so they, Nicodemus says, hey, hey, um, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? And they replied, are you from Galilee too? Like, like, they knew Jesus from Galilee, or he was raised in Galilee. And so now they're, like, jokingly saying to Nicodemus, oh, are you from there, too? You're trying to support this guy. You're defending this guy from Galilee that we're all kind of against, and now you're sticking up for him. Are you from Galilee, too? Look into it. And you will find that a prophet does not come from Galilee. So that's what the, 
Sanhedrin leaders say to Nicodemus when he tries to say, hey, hey let's give this guy a chance. Let's, let's find out what actually he's doing. Let's give him a, a shot. Let's, let's look into it a little bit. And this is interesting uh, because uh, many scholars will, will tell us or will point out that, that Jonah, remember the prophet Jonah, he was from Galilee. So, so already they overlooked uh, a, one of the pro a major prophet who did come from Galilee, and they're acting as if no prophets come from Galilee. So they're, they're kind of missing the boat on that a little bit. And it's true that Jesus was born in Bethlehem uh, of Judah, but he grew up, remember, shortly after his birth and, his, and he was circumcised, his parents, Mary and Joseph, they were from Nazareth in Galilee. And so Jesus grew up in Nazareth in Galilee. That's where he grew up. And in John chapter 1, uh, Philip said to Nathanael, check this out. Philip said to Nathanael, we have found him, referring to Jesus, we have found him who Moses in the law and the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so the term Jesus of Nazareth was a pretty common term as we read through the Gospels. We see people referring to Jesus as the guy from Galilee or from Nazareth. And so the, the, the religious leaders didn't want to face the facts of where Jesus was from or that he could possibly be the Son of God. They just wanted to discount any possibility that he was. And then there's another verse in John 19. So, so we got John 3, which is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. John 7, which is in the middle somewhere. And now we got John 19. And check out what's going on here. This is, this is after the death of Jesus. Jesus has been crucified, we talked about last week, uh, in Easter. And, and, and he's going to rise from the dead. But Jesus is being brought down from the cross in this. And uh, the scripture says... He was accompanied by Nicodemus. Now, the he is uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Remember, Joseph went to Pilate and said, you can check this out in John 19. Joseph went to Pilate and said, hey, can I have the body of Jesus? And so he granted him the body of Jesus. So he was, Joseph was a, accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. You know, remember that guy? Uh, Nicodemus brought a mixture. Nicodemus. He brings a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 20, uh, 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And so what do we see? We see Nicodemus at the end of Jesus' life and ministry, right there, helping out with the body of Jesus. And to me, what this is saying is there's this engagement that Jesus has with Nicodemus that is going to bloom, that's going to grow. Nicodemus, some are going to run away from Jesus. They don't want to face the facts, but not Nicodemus. He's going to be drawn to Jesus. And there seems to be like this seed of faith that's planted in Nicodemus's heart, and it's it's beginning to grow. It's beginning to grow. And that's how, that's how most of our relationships with Jesus start. Small, like a small seed planted in our heart that God begins to grow in us. 
Maybe you're in the middle of that growing process. I mean, we're all there somewhere, but, but some are, are at the pre-giving your life to Jesus stage where, where you're, you're hearing these things about Jesus that we've been talking about and maybe that you're reading in the scripture or you're hearing in other places. And, and there's a curiosity about who is this Jesus and if he is the son of God and the savior of the world, what do I need to do to come into a relationship? So some of you, some of us, may be at that beginning part where we're still not yet ready to say, I want to surrender my life to God. You know, I want to just give him all that I am. I want to live my life for him. I, I believe that he is the son of God. And I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe you're getting there. Maybe that's where you're at in your life. I, I, I'm not sure where, where we all are. But it starts small. It did for me. It starts small like the seed. And maybe a really good question that you ask your friend is the thing that gets them thinking about Jesus. Right? Like that question we're trying to phrase in a way that we can draw people to Jesus, like some form of a question that God can use through us that will help other people engage with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's really cool. But, but here's the deal. Nicodemus has this, this seed of faith growing in his heart, right? It's, he's, he's curious about Jesus, and he's, he's contemplating who Jesus is. He's trying to figure it out. But he's trapped in a large way. He's trapped because he is a Pharisee and, 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 and he's, he's, surrounded, he's surrounded by the religious leaders, his peers. And he's got he's to make a drastic choice on what he is going to do. There's one other thing to note here. Uh, Jesus says in verse 10 that Nicodemus is one of Israel's teachers. Now, this is more than just a rabbi or a teacher. He is a master teacher, the scripture alludes to, according to verse 10. Which means that he is not only known, well-known among the Jewish people and the, the surrounding area, as spoken highly of, but he is an expert in the law. Some scholars say that he was one of the two the Hecum or the Shechem, say the Hecum or the Shechem, like when the, 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 the Sanhedrin sat in their public council to judge matters or to discuss uh, things, there was a person who sat on the right and on the left, right? And the Shechem and the, the Shechem and the Hecum. And, and they believed that uh, Nicodemus was one of these guys, like really, really, really high up. Supposed to be like an expert in the law of Moses. The Old Testament. And Jesus says to him, you're an expert in the law and, and you do not understand these things. That's what in the course of the discussion that Jesus has with Nicodemus, he says, and you don't understand the things of the spirit. Like you don't understand even how the spirit of God works. And so Jesus is kind of calling Nicodemus out a little bit. Say, Nicodemus, like, you know, I'm glad you come and we're talking about this, but, but there's some things you don't understand. And, and this is really, really important. So Nicodemus comes and he calls Jesus rabbi. So he, he, he gives Jesus all the respect that, that he can, right? Like from one teacher to another. 
He calls him, hey, teacher, rabbi, which, which is a, a, a show of respect and reverence. And in verse 2, Nicodemus says, rabbi, we know we, like as in, like, most of the Sanhedrin, or some of the Sanhedrin, under, really, we know that you are doing big things. Like, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Uh, because nobody can do the things that you're doing unless God were with him. And, and so he says, we can see the evidence that God is working in you. The, the miracles that you are doing. And, and up to this point, there aren't a whole lot in the scripture other than the, the, the um, water into wine. But, but apparently Jesus is doing other things that maybe aren't even recorded that they're taking note of, that they're seeing the miracles that Jesus is doing. And so we, some of the leaders, but Nicodemus, who's right here with Jesus, is like saying, hey, we can see you're doing great things, Jesus. We, we believe that you are a teacher who has come from God. And so in verse 3, Jesus responds to this. So verse 1 and 2, Nicodemus comes, calls him rabbi, and he gives him props. And now Jesus is going to respond, and Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you. Basically he's saying to him, I tell you the truth. Very truly I tell you. I tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth, Nicodemus. Check this out. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, this is really, really interesting because, you know, verses 1 and 2, Nicodemus never really even asked Jesus a question. Right up to that moment, he just stated what he believed about Jesus. Right? Rabbi, you're a teacher from God. You got miraculous powers. Nobody can deny this. You've come from, the, from, from above. He's not asked Jesus a question, and yet Jesus is going to cut right through the chase because Jesus knows the hearts of men. He knows your heart, and he knows my heart, and he knows what we're thinking, even if we can't phrase it or word it or we're afraid to. And here's the cool thing. Jesus tackles the unexpressed thought of Nicodemus. That's good. Because a lot of times... When we can't find words to say, God knows our heart. He knows what's going on in our head. He knows us, and he already knows us. So we could take some comfort in knowing that God knows. We don't, we don't have to like explain our heart to God. If we can, fine, go for it. But, but if you can, it's okay. God knows, he knows your heart. He knows what's causing you to stumble or trip you up or what's causing you pain. He knows your heart. And, and this is a great example of Jesus answering a question that wasn't even asked yet. And so he goes right for the, for the juggler in a sense. And he says, I tell you the truth. In other words, this is it. Like this is the truth. I, I'm about to give you the truth, right? There's no deceit in this. There's no twisting in this. There's no falsehood in this. I'm about to tell you the truth. You say, Nicodemus, that I have come from above. Well, let me give you some truth from God above. And that's pretty powerful because what he's also saying is you guys teach what you teach, but I'm about to tell you what God says. 
And those two things aren't lining up very well. Nicodemus is going to learn that, that what Nicodemus and his little religious leaders are teaching is not going to line up with the truth from God. It's going to smell like it a little bit. It's going to have some hints of godliness to it. It's going to be really formal and religious and customary and based somewhat on the, on the law of Moses, but it has gone in a wrong direction. And they're doing things that are not in line with God. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the truth of God. What you're doing isn't even close. That might be true for us today in some ways. Like the way we do church, the things we think are so important that we've got to have. You know, things in our buildings, the ministries that we do. We think we have to, like, this is all biblical stuff, and, and, and most of it is not. It's not. The, the doctrines of the scripture, the truth of Jesus, is what is most important. And when we set that aside and start grabbing onto other things and putting other things first, we have become just like the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And Jesus is about to drop some truth on them and he gets right to the heart of the issue, and look what he points to. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so this is the heart of what Jesus is going to get at with Nicodemus. The kingdom of God, which you are very far from, Nicodemus, and your religious leader group, you guys are not even close to the kingdom of God, and how a person enters the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus and the religious leaders, they don't have a clue about that either. And so Jesus is about to share with him the most important truth on the planet. And that is how a person enters the kingdom of God. Now this, 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 is, this is, I want to just pause for a second here. Because this may be in some way one of the most important questions that we can formulate to ask a friend. Like, just to ask our friend, you know, like, hey, hey, um, Joe. Just go with Joe. Joe, you know, we've been friends for a while. You know, hang out and stuff. Can I, can I ask you something? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with this idea, and I, I just want to ask you this question. And, and, and so we bring Joe into something we're wrestling with, and we say, Joe, Joe, it's about the kingdom of God. Joe, how, how do you think, Joe, a person enters the kingdom of God? I mean, that might be like one of the greatest questions that you could ask somebody. Like in a very non-attacking way, in a, in a let's think about it together way, and just ask somebody, how do you think a person not you, not me, but a person. How do you think a person enters the kingdom of God? And, and just let Joe just chew on that for a while. So you can even say, Joe, you don't even have to answer right now. I mean, Joe may have an answer. Joe may say, I don't believe in heaven. <laughs> so your, your discussion may be uh, come to a pause right at that point. But Joe may say, well... Huh, you know, by being good, by, you know, just being good, being real. Most people point to the idea of, you know, if I'm polite and I'm good and I treat people kindly and with love, then I'm good to go with God. They think that. 
And so this may be that seed of question that might get somebody moving toward thinking about their own relationship with God and how they enter into the kingdom of God. And so what a great, what a great way to go about engaging people so that they will begin to engage the Lord, especially if they're not engaged with the Lord at this point. So here's what's going to happen next. This is going to lead to this discussion in verses 4 through 21, this discussion about being born again, uh, about uh, Jesus is going to point to Moses, and he's going to say, hey, just like Moses, now remember, he's talking to Nicodemus. There's some good stuff right here. He's talking to Nicodemus. He says to Nicodemus, just like Moses. Remember Moses? You know, people got bit by the serpent and Moses held up the serpent on the stick. And if you looked at the serpent, you would be healed. You wouldn't die. And Jesus says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up from the earth. Nicodemus goes, okay, well, that's kind of weird. It's kind of odd. Fast forward, John 19, Nicodemus is present. Jesus is crucified. And what is Jesus doing? He is on a cross, hanging above the earth. And so there's no wonder why Nicodemus is the guy with Joseph taking down the body and burying it. See, this is just a piece of this conversation that Jesus has in John 3 with Nicodemus that it's going to kind of come to pass in the next year or two. Nicodemus is going to see all this stuff like unfold in his very lifetime. This is really, really cool stuff. And, and, and then he says, he talks about God's love. You know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That, that, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, right? That God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And, and Jesus is like saying this to Nicodemus, and, and, and Nicodemus is right there right now. I mean, he's right there listening to this verse being spoken for the first time. How cool is that, right? And then in verse 16, that, uh, or verse 19, that light has come into the world. That the light of God has come into the world, but men love the darkness. And so Jesus is going to teach about these things uh, that, that even the religious leaders that Nicodemus is associated with, they love their little world that they've created. And they refuse to accept God's only son, Jesus. And so they reject the light they love their darkness, and there's a lot of people in this world that are doing the very same thing. We love our little religious thing, or we love our little world, our own little creation that we've kind of concocted, and we reject the truth about who Jesus is. And so what Jesus does here is really, really important for us, and really I want to key on verses 1 to 3. The engagement that Jesus has with Nicodemus and the manner in which Jesus kind of moves through this engagement with Nicodemus. That, that's what I want to kind of look at here uh, for a minute with you. And, 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 and remember this, it's, it's not just about our engagement with Jesus. 
You know, that's, that's so important that, that we're connected with God and that we're growing in our faith and, and we're moving forward with Jesus and, and we're moving more committed to Jesus, less of the world, more of Christ. You know, hopefully that is happening in your life. Like, like from a year ago or two years ago or even six months ago or two months ago. That your desire, your, your, your hunger for Jesus and for the things of God is growing constantly. It's alive. It's like, it's like a, a, a flower that's growing and healthy. It's not withering away because you're not paying any attention to it or you're not feeding it. But it's growing because your hunger for God and your, your, your watering of the truth in your life and you're spending time in his word, not just to, not just to check a box, I went to church. That doesn't matter. Are, are we growing in our faith? Are we growing in our relationship? That's what matters. So our personal engagement with Jesus. But then also, you know, what Jesus does with Nicodemus is going gonna, is gonna to be an example to us on how Jesus wants to engage the world through us. So check these things out. The first one is this. Things that stand out about Jesus' engagement with Nicodemus. Number one. Number one. Jesus, once again is available to the people. So we see this over and over and over again. It's the go-to with Jesus. He doesn't just come from heaven and just sit on some holy hill somewhere. He is out and about in the community from town to town. He's moving rich, poor, uh, healthy or sick, day or night. He is among the people who need him the most. Jesus is out there. He's out there in the community. And, and, and that is a beautiful thing about Jesus, and it's a beautiful example to you and to me that we, too, got to get out of our pews and into the community where we can affect people for the kingdom of God. That is our number one purpose in this world. Once we're in line with God ourselves and engaged with him, the next thing that has to happen is our engagement with the world. Number two. Jesus is unafraid to stir up the corruption to create an opportunity. And he does this over and over again, whether it's with the religious leaders usually, or with the disciples saying things to them that they aren't ready to hear or don't want to hear, and they freak out about it, or even calling sinners uh, to, to repent. Like the first thing Jesus said was repent. For the kingdom of God has come, right? So we're sinners and we need to repent. That's what we, we must do. We need to understand that he's God and we have offended God by our sin, our rebelliousness. And so it's okay to say, hey man, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner and I need the grace of God in my life. But I also need the love of God in my life. And, and those things are important. But, but Jesus was unafraid. Remember, he made a whip just... Just maybe that day or the day before, he made a whip and he goes into the temple and he chases them out and he drives them out and he's swinging this thing and he's yelling, hey, get out of here. How dare you make my father's house into a den of robbers or thieves. And so Jesus, he's not afraid to stir up corruption to create opportunity that's called like a holy anger, like a, a, a loving, loving for the good, not to just be a jerk, but to, to help people realize that we as a nation have sinned against God and we need to turn back to God. 
and to stir things up from time to time has to happen. It has to happen. Jesus demonstrates that. Number three, Jesus welcomes Nicodemus and his inquiry, right? That's, that's the mutual respect we see between Jesus and Nicodemus. He is very accepting of Nicodemus, even though he knows that Nicodemus is teaching things that are false. Okay, he's, Nicodemus is sincere. He's, he's just really sincere with what he believes and convicted of, but he's sincerely wrong. And Jesus isn't afraid to say to Nicodemus, look, you're a teacher of the law and you don't even understand simple things of the spirit. But you got some things to learn. And then Jesus brings up some things that Nicodemus had to think about. So Jesus sees beyond the limitations of Nicodemus and he sees the potential of Nicodemus, right? And he doesn't get hung up, you know, on the little things. He doesn't get hung up on the little things, which is the next thing. Jesus gets right to the priority. That's what he does. He, he passes all the petty, and he gets right to the thing that matters the most. And this is a big thing for you and for me, because we see this in our world. We see lots of symptoms of a bigger problem. Like we see things going on in the world, and we go, wow, look at that, it's bad, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. But really the heart of the problem is people are rebellious toward God. If, if we would all come back to God, then this world would just, would be way more accepting, way more loving, way more forgiving, way more obedient, and we'd all be moving in the right direction. But because there's a rebellion against God, it's tearing apart the community, the, 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 the nation. And we see symptoms of it. We also see this with our children, right? right? When they're little, they're whining, they're fussy, they're complaining. And, and, and we realize, as parents, we realize, okay, there's something going on. There's something deeper going on. What's, what's really bothering you that you're acting out in this way? And so Jesus sees Nicodemus coming. He hears Nicodemus talking. But Jesus, he's going to get right to the point. He's going to get right to the priority. So when we're dealing with people and we're sharing, uh, you know, with them and they have, uh, maybe they're angry at God or maybe they're, they're, uh, they don't believe for whatever reasons they don't believe, we've we, we got to see past that and get to the, the more important issue. What's really going on in their heart? And, and what do they really need? What do they need to hear about from God? Here's, here's another thing. Jesus leaves Nicodemus with plenty of truth to chew on, right? Nicodemus comes and Jesus leaves Nicodemus with all kinds of truth for him to ponder. He refers back to Moses. Remember Moses? Oh yeah, Moses, he's our, he's our main guy. He's our big prophet. Moses, yeah, we all love Moses. He wrote the law. Okay, well Moses said, just as uh, Moses held up the serpent in the wilderness, and so the Son of God will be lifted up. And so he makes this connection for Nicodemus' sake with Moses. And he talks about the fact that God so loved the world. And, and, that, and again, that, this has got to be, you know, if we just kind of take a second to think about what's going on right here. Like, we see people hold up the sign, John 3, 16, at the ballgames. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Well, Nicodemus is living it at, for the first time. Jesus is saying this verse to him. And not a verse. He's just saying from his heart, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And by the way, Nicodemus, I'm him. And Nicodemus is hearing this for the very first time in history. 
That God so loved the world, like he's living the very moment of God so loving the world that he gave his only son and he's standing right before him, which is unbelievably cool. And then he says, light, you know, Jesus talks about light is coming to the world, but men love the darkness. And the spirit moves where, where it wishes, the wind blows where it wishes. So Jesus gives them all these things and, and, and then all these things are going to unfold in Nicodemus's life in the months to come, which again is why in John 19, Nicodemus is at the cross helping with the body of Jesus because all these little seeds that Jesus planted in his heart are growing. And Nicodemus is being drawn to Jesus. And the last thing is this, number six. Jesus introduced or introduces Nicodemus to the true kingdom of God. And this is what's really important because Nicodemus is really caught up in all of the ways of the Pharisees and the religious laws and the customs and all the traditions. He is so hung up in those things that he can't even see past himself. But he does come to Jesus, which you got to give him some props for that. And Jesus is going to point him to the true kingdom of God, not a religious one that has been fabricated by religious people, but how you must enter the kingdom of God. And he says, here's how you enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Nicodemus, you want to enter the kingdom of God? You must be born again. And so Jesus encounters Nicodemus and, um, and in this encounter, he, he draws Nicodemus to his father and, and to the truth about heaven and the kingdom of God. And, and that's exactly what you and I must be doing as God engages the world through us. Like this constant encounter with Jesus as we encounter the world and we bring people into that, 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 that river that flows toward God, that we're in. Like we're in this river and we're trying to bring people into it that will flow with us in a relationship with God and develop their own relationship with God and find the, the, the one who made them and has a purpose for their life. Well, there's two little words that are in this verse three that, that I want to just point to as we wrap this up. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Did you get that? Two little words right there. Jesus says, no one. You cannot enter the kingdom of God, unless you are born again. Born anew, born afresh, born of God, where Jesus washes away your sin and he fills you with his Holy Spirit as you are obedient to him in baptism, as he washes you clean, not on the outside, on the inside. And we meet him we meet him in this watery grave of baptism. And Jesus says, you must be born again. No one will see the kingdom of God unless you are. You want to enter the kingdom of God? You want to be born again? You want to have a life of 
of the presence of God moving and working in you and around you and through you. You want to live a life that you develop and, and figure out and discover your purpose and why God made you and put you on the planet. All of that is wrapped up in being born again, entering the kingdom of God, and walking every day on this planet with Jesus, the one who made us, the one who came and died for us and wants to live in us. You must be born again. I encourage you, continue engaging with Jesus and reach out to your friends. Look for opportunities wherever you may be. God is always opening doors. He's always creating opportunities. It's up to us to kind of look and see them and then make the most of them and let people engage with Jesus because because we came along and God used us to help them. Have a great week. May God bless you. Go out there and reach the world. In Jesus' name, amen.